Hey characters, Quinn here with a quick announcement before we get into this week's episode. Everyone Games is hosting their second annual charity event this year. It takes place on September 30th and October 1st, 2022, from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern both days, with a variety of live games as well as panels about accessibility and gaming. The funds being raised this year will benefit two awesome charities in the accessibility space, Everyone Can in the UK and Stack Up in the US. Everyone Can assists people with disabilities by harnessing the power of assistive technology and providing free assessments to individuals with disabilities to match technology that is either designed or can be adapted to help them achieve everyday tasks. Stack Up supports active and veteran service members from the US and allied nations by promoting positive mental health and suicide prevention through gaming and geek culture. We're excited to announce we'll be joining our guest from this episode, Jacob Wood, on a panel about representation in gaming. The panel is September 30th, 2022, from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the Everyone Games Twitch channel. And there will be links to the Everyone Games schedule in the show notes and all this other stuff. And we hope to see you there. I'm Quinn. And I'm Alex. And we're A a Couple couple of Characters. characters. We discuss topics related to creating characters for role-playing games, and today we have Jacob Wood with us. He's the owner of Accessible Games and the creator of Survival of the Able. How you doing today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me here today. Awesome. Do you want to start by telling the listeners a little bit about yourself and Accessible Games? Sure. Um, As you mentioned, my name is Jacob Wood. I've been running Accessible Games since about 2010. Uh, We started off as just a small blog um, with the intent to raise awareness for disabled gamers. Uh, I used to write a lot of board game reviews based on um, games that were particularly useful uh, or easily accessible um, or ways to make modifications to games to make them a little bit more accessible. Mm -hmm. And over time, I realized that um, there were a lot of things that I was doing over and over and over with a lot of games in order to make them accessible for myself, and it seemed like there could be a better way. Yeah. Uh, At the same time, I was getting more into role-playing games because uh, as a blind person, I find that uh, it's easier, just there are fewer barriers for me at least to playing a role-playing game at the table than to playing games with lots of little pieces. Yeah. So I've really kind of gravitated toward those. And during that time, around 2011, 2012, a lot of the PDFs that you were getting weren't very accessible to a screen reader. They were usually just like a picture of text or they were watermarked or they were locked down for editing so that you couldn't actually read them with some of the software that I use. Mm -hmm. So I decided to start writing my own games and learning how to go about publishing them in an accessible format. That way I could teach others how to do that. So I launched my first game, Cypunk, in 2013. And I started learning how to do my own layout after that. Um, I began researching and uh, producing my own PDFs. And eventually was able to publish a book called The Accessible Guide to RPG Layout, which I published in order to help other layout professionals do that work and make their books more accessible. Since then, I've handed over all of my layout um, tasks to my buddy Todd Crapper from Broken Ruler Games, Mm -hmm. 
uh, he has pioneered uh, what vision layer, uh, uh, what survival of the able is going to be using, uh, which is called vision layers, and that's a way to turn different layers on and off of your PDF products in order to say enable or disable graphics to change the font preference from a more fancy font to an easier to read or a dyslexia friendly font, uh, to change some of the color settings so that if you have uh, a condition that makes it difficult to see different colors, you can turn it to a black and white format. Um, so we're, we're really raising the bar on what it means to produce an accessible book and uh, particularly in the role playing space. And we'll be publishing Survival of the Able, which is our current game that we'll be talking about more today. Um, by producing a book in multiple formats for mo multiple audiences. And we're showing that it's not much more expensive to uh, really open up these different options to people. To make it easier for everybody to come to the table and have a lot of fun. Um, our goal is to make sure that everybody is included at the table and not just those select few who are able to crack open a book with eight and a half mm -hmm. point font and read that. Uh, so that's our goal is to um, raise awareness for disabled gamers and to set the bar and really put our money where our mouth is and show by doing as opposed to just show by telling. Yeah, it's super cool. Like, because we backed it on Kickstarter, and that was one thing that I really liked that you, like, were talking about how, like, your plans are like, hey, we're going to have all these different things so that no matter what your needs are, you can still access this product. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely our goal. I like how you said back in 2011, 2012, PDFs were not, like, screen reader friendly. Mm -hmm. I found there's still a lot that are not yes. screen reader friendly now. In 2022, yep. yeah. a decade later. So a decade later, we're still encountering those barriers, and that's why I'm still doing this work. Uh, I have noticed yeah, that so. it's getting a lot better, and there are mm -hmm. people like Todd Crapper who are uh, really pushing the envelope when it comes to what a PDF can do. And we're also... Um, producing EPUB formats so people can read that on different devices, um, mm -hmm. with different types of screen reader technology. And uh, we've got people like Russell Collins from Robot Claw. Um, he produces a game called uh, Tears of a Machine. And he has an EPUB that is also audio enabled. So the audio track uh, syncs up with the text on the EPUB page. That way you can listen and follow along. Um, so he's really oh, pushing cool. the envelope there too. And, we're, we're slowly starting to gain that um, broader awareness, I think, but we definitely still have a long way to go. Yeah. That is awesome. So on our show, we like to talk a lot about characters. Do you have a favorite character that you've ever played in an RPG? Yeah. Um, I'm one of those people who used to just create characters for fun. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, so... that's why the show exists. <laughs> yeah. So especially back in, like, the early days of third edition D&D, &D, I used to play around with characters a lot. But the one that I had the most fun with was one of my Living Greyhawk characters, which was uh, Living Greyhawk is an organized play campaign similar to what um, the D&D &D Adventures League or the Pathfinder Society mm -hmm. are today. Uh, my favorite character was a barbarian by the name of Gert. And Gert was <laughs> not your typical big dumb brute even though he absolutely had the high strength and high constitution, but he had a whopping 10 intelligence instead of an eight or a six. And so he actually had a few <laughs> more skills than the average barbarian. 
And nice. uh, I think that really helped my enjoyment of him. I decided to play him as a straight barbarian. So in D&D, mm-hmm. you can often multi-class and pick up different skills and feats and abilities from other classes. Uh, oftentimes, people who play barbarians would take a couple of levels in fire for a couple of extra feats. But what I liked about Gert was that I went straight barbarian, and because of that, he never learned how to read. Um, because rules <laughs> as written, if you pick up a level of fighter, you learn how to read. You lose the illiterate ability of the barbarian. Interesting. And, I don't know, something about having this intelligent character that couldn't read was appealing to me. And <laughs> over time, yeah. just as as things happened through the story of Living Greyhawk, he ended up becoming a bodyguard to the Grand Duchess. And in order to do that, I had to learn a couple of new languages. So he decided to pick up languages, a um, skill. And by 11th level, which is, I think, the highest level I'd gotten with him, he spoke seven or eight different languages, but couldn't read or write in any of them. (laughs) And that's just one of those little quirky things that I like to uh, add to my characters to make them more fun even though it doesn't really make a lot of difference to anybody uh, but there was one time where he was the only person at the table who could speak this rare language that nobody else had and uh, unfortunately it was a <laughs> we encountered it in written format so um, <laughs> I borrowed somebody's helm of comprehend languages and read magic mm. and we decided <laughs> that uh, the read magic ability let me actually read that text for once in his life. Nice. (laughs) It was was fun. Um, Gert was also uh, one of the only characters I'd ever played to forego any type of armor because he had Mm -hmm. some abilities that um, let him do like a reckless charge attack. So he would sink his armor class in order to make a bigger attack. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I figured if I'm doing that anyway, I'm getting hit all the time. I just don't even need to bother with the heavy armor. And uh, yeah, it got him into some tense situations, but they were always fun. <laughs> um, so I don't know. He was my my beloved character from the D and D days, I think. And I, I've played a ton of them since then, but he's always that one that I kind of go back to in my memory when I'm just kind of comparing other characters and other experiences. Uh, mm-hmm. He's he's the one that I remember most fondly. It's kind of funny because it sounds kind of like a Quinn character mixed with an Alex character. It does. Because <laughs> Quinn loves to rush in and hit stuff, nice. and I like to make weird quirks. So, yeah. like, the quirk of, like, oh, they're intelligent, but they don't know how to read because they just never bothered to learn. But they, like, they're clearly intelligent if they speak eight languages or whatever, yeah. you know? So. <laughs> it reminds me a little bit of the character you're playing right now. Yeah. In the game I'm playing in. Yeah, so my character, Essie, she's an urchin background from 5e. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, she wouldn't learn to read, but she might recognize some letters, you know? Sure. And then uh, the bard in the group realized she couldn't read and was, like, trying to teach her. And uh, she's a warlock, so I took the invocation after a couple of these, like, training sessions that let you read all languages. Mm-hmm. So she was like, oh, you did? I can read now. And the bard's like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> We've only been doing this for a yeah. week. How can you read everything? And, like, she can now read all languages. So even the ones the bard was not teaching her, she's like, oh, yeah, I know how to read that now. It's fine. <laughs> But she still only speaks common, so she's kind of the inverse of Gert there, where she's uh, she only sp- can read them; she can't speak them. That's awesome. 
So where did you get the idea for Survival of the Able? That's a great question. Um, it's sort of congealed over a number of years, but I think the real impetus for it was when I read an essay by uh, Elsa Henry, who is, she herself has done a lot of work in the space of disability and gaming. And mm -hmm. in her essay, she had written about how her like World of Darkness characters would often be characterized as having flaws that were disabilities. Um, like the game mm -hmm. listed disabilities amongst the different flaws that you can take per character. And then she pointed out that a lot of different games, like Savage Worlds or Shadowrun, used the same kind of language around disability. It was always that a disability was a flaw or a drawback or some kind of penalty. A hindrance. A hindrance, yeah. yeah. Yep. And it was always used to just buy off some kind of special power. And if you min-maxed your character well enough, you could have these disabilities that didn't really matter because your superpowers overcame them anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to set out to make a game where you could play a disabled character and that wasn't what happened. Um, you couldn't just buy off your abilities. In fact, as I started kind of thinking about how this whole thing might play out, I asked myself, well, what would a disabled character look like and what kind of setting would I put them in? Mm -hmm. uh, because in a modern setting or a superhero type setting, um, you have technology um, that can help you overcome or at least mitigate some of the uh, difficulties that you might face by having a disability. Mm -hmm. um, like today I have a screen reader that can let me access my computer. I have different tools and technology that I can use to interact with my surroundings. Um, but I wanted to take that away. I really wanted to put the characters into a place where the disability was front and center. And so I decided that medieval Europe would be a good place for that because it predates things like uh, American Sign Language or British Sign Language. It predates motorized wheelchairs. It predates um, the Americans with Disabilities Act. Mm -hmm. um, and it was set at a time where people were often not very hospitable to the disabled. Mm -hmm. uh, they would put people in an almshouse, which is a church-run facility where you would go to basically live out your life away from the rest of society. Uh, not expected to really be a productive member. Um, I thought that was a good place to put people because it would force players to not be able to lean on other powers. Mm -hmm. Then I wanted to find a way to incorporate that into a game where they didn't just live out their lives in an almshouse and see what that would look like. I, I needed them to have a reason to go out into the world and be bigger than they were made out to be originally by the rest of society. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When I started thinking about ways to do that, um, I, I had to come up with a way to send them off into the world, get them out of their own house. Yeah. And I thought that um, a really nice, simple way to do that would be for zombies to show up and mm -hmm. kind of kill off some of the people who were more able-bodied, some of that the clergy at the almshouse who might have been helping to take care of them and leave only the disabled players behind. And mm -hmm. because the zombies were there, the players couldn't stick around. Um, yeah. So conveniently, um, 
I, I now had zombies and I now had the Middle Ages and uh, Black Death circa 1347 was a really easy way to bring zombies into that. So um, the story of survival of the able is that the bubonic plague has come. People who die from it are rising as zombies. And it's up to you and the other disabled folks at your alms house to make your way out of town and a way to safety. Whatever safety might look like for you. Um, so that's kind of the, the long answer to that question, I guess, is... No, it's uh, it's it's a great answer. Because <laughs> I was wondering, like, why, why did you choose that exact setting for it? Uh, and mm-hmm. those are very valid reasons for why you would go about doing it that way. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I, I really... Um, put a lot of thought into the where, the why, and the how. Um, mm-hmm. And then the disabled characters are the what. And um, I think that has really brought everything together. Awesome. Yeah, I had a chance to play you GM'd a game yeah. that I was like, what, three sessions or something? And that yeah. was, it was a lot of fun. I had no idea where it was going to go, how it was going to end. <laughs> the great thing is neither did I. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of my, my GMing style is I tend to set out with a beginning in mind and then we just kind of play from there. I figure if my yeah. players have to respond to what I'm doing, I should just learn to respond to what they're doing. And uh, yeah. your group, um, they ended the game in a very different place than any of the other <laughs> games that I've run in the past. So uh, it was really <laughs> nice to to kind of do something that was off the rails a little bit and still have a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. So is that kind of like where it's, is it like more of a module or that's just like the setting for the game? It's like, this is the situation, go from there however you want. Um, it's a little bit of both. One of the other things that was um, kind of a, an impetus for survival of the able was um, Lady Blackbird, which is a very short game uh, that is a game system and an adventure wrapped into one. And I set out originally to build kind of a Lady Blackbird clone using the fudge system mm-hmm. and people with disabilities as like the, the character focus. As I started writing more and more and more of the rules, it got out of hand. Lady Blackbird was not even part of the picture anymore. Um, <laughs> But what I ended up with was a rule set that could be easily ported over to different adventures. Uh, and mm-hmm. in fact, um, Todd, my layout artist, and I are looking at ways to kind of hack the system and use it for a couple of different settings now. Um, okay. But kind of like what Power by the Apocalypse did, where they're like, oh, you just do this 2D6 thing and then you can yeah. put whatever skin in you want. Yeah. And it basically, the same game very similar yeah um but then the escape from saint giles alms house adventure is um what i include in the book as kind of a reference for what you can do with the system but the Mm -hmm. whole thing is laid out in a way as to kind of teach a gm how to improvise and I, i hope it came across that way um we'll find out when the reviews start rolling in um everybody who's run it and played it has said that um, it's given them a lot of insight about like, at least how I would recommend this type of game to be run. I provide a lot of GM advice and a lot of tips on how to take the information presented and then roll with it. Um, even if your players um, decide to 
say, camp out in a farmhouse and make a life for themselves there, as opposed to going to the big city <laughs> where the final showdown was supposed to take place. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, No one would do that, right, Quinn? Yeah, no one would ever do that. Um, I guess my goal with Gotta the adventure... Gotta hide from the demons. Right? <laughs> uh, my goal with the adventure was to empower the GM to run a game, and then with the rules, uh, to be able to have something that was flexible enough to change the setting or the adventure at any time. Okay. Do you want to maybe talk a little bit about the fate system for people who might not know like what it is and kind of how it works? Sure. Um, so Survival of the Able uses my own kind of take on the fudge and the fate systems. They're both very similar to one another. Um, so fate uses uh, what's called a trait ladder um, to talk about your character's abilities in a way that is um, it's kind of laid out in levels but it's both numeric and um, it uses both numbers and adjectives to describe your character so for example um, you might have a character who has a here trait of good which is uh, plus two so you can either say I have good hearing or you can say my here is plus two they both mean the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. With Survival of the Able, the trait ladder ranges from uh, terrible at minus three to, uh, I think it's fantastic at plus five. Um, when you roll your dice, you roll four fate dice, and these are dice with six sides, but they have two sides marked minus, two sides with a blank, and two sides marked plus which basically gives you a minus one to plus one for any given die. And so the roll of four dice is minus four to plus four. And the way that it works out mathematically and statistically is it gives you a perfect bell curve um, that's equivalent to rolling one D three. Or I guess four D three, really. Um, So you'll roll your four fudge dice. And let's say my, I get... uh, one plus side, two blanks, and one minus. That gives me an overall result of zero uh, because the plus Mm -hmm. and minus cancel each other out. And then if I have good hearing, which is a plus two, then my overall result is plus two. Um, I can say that I got a good result. I can say that I got a plus two. And again, they both mean the exact same thing. You'll compare that with the difficulty of the task at hand. So um, maybe climbing a ladder has very low difficulty unless it's being pounded on by a zombie, in which case the difficulty would increase. Mm -hmm. And then you compare your result and the difficulty to find the difference between those two numbers to determine um, your overall success. Nice. Um, That's kind of fudge and fate in a nutshell. And then we go into a lot of different um, twists and turns of the whole concept and if you've played either one of those two systems, you'll recognize the trait ladder and the dice mechanics, but most of the other things, like fate aspects or um, overcome actions, if uh, anybody is familiar with fate, they won't see those types of things in this game. Everything is self-contained in this one book. You don't need any other sources in order to learn it and understand it and play it. Awesome. That was exactly what I was just going to oh. say. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I was telling my friends that we played D&D with recently. I was like, they keep printing more 5e books, but I'm like, 
I'm good. I don't need more info. Can we just? Like, I'm happy with what we have and what we've, you know, changed ourselves. Because Quinn and I change a lot for the race. Oh yeah. Because the races are not ideal mm-hmm. in five E. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> That's another story. Yeah. Though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so, uh, is there anything else you want to say about survival of the able or accessible games? Quick before we move on to making a character for for it um the one other thing that i'd like to say about accessible games before we move on is that we Mm -hmm. also publish a quarterly magazine called accessible gaming quarterly and in that zine we like to highlight um different uh, disabled voices in the community we also review games and we interview disabled game designers um and so i would encourage anybody who is interested in accessibility, not only to check that out, but also to get in touch if you have something um, that you would like to contribute, because we're always looking for people to um, highlight, share their experiences, and to, um, I guess, further the the discourse about disabilities in the tabletop industry. Mm -hmm. Awesome. How long have you been publishing those? My first one came out in July of 2020. Okay. Um, we just launched our ninth issue July of this year, and we've got at least three more coming out um, before the end of, um, or before the middle of 2023. April 2023 will be the 12th issue, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll get the funding to do another year of it after that. So we'll keep going as long as we can. Cool. All right. So we thought it would be helpful if you could walk us and the listeners through the process of making a character for Survival of the Able. Because I think your book will come with like some pre-generated characters, mm-hmm. but if they want to make their own, yeah, absolutely. How would they go about doing that? Sure. Yeah, the book does come with ten different pre-generated characters, uh, but it also comes with some rules about how to create your own. Um, in terms of creating a character, we have four different types of character traits that we look at. We've got your senses, such as hear, see, smell, taste, touch. Your Qualities, which are personality traits. Um, they are whether you're courageous or pious or worldly, um, how energetic you might be. Those are your different qualities. Uh, we have skills, which are literally like any other d- kind of traditional RPG, something that you can do and are either good at or really bad at, depending on your skill level. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have anxieties and assurances. And these are a little bit more nebulous. Anxieties are things that uh, cause you stress, whereas assurances are things that might help you overcome stress. In a game about zombies and horror, we do have a stress mechanic, and the more stressed out you get, the closer you become to um, having what we call a nervous breakdown, which is where you have some additional challenges kind of layered onto your uh, your character during play until you can overcome that. Uh, Assurances can help you reduce your stress levels, but anxieties will add to that more so than just fighting a zombie. Mm -hmm. Those might be something like um, an anxiety might say uh, whenever you are forced to uh, give something that you have very little of, you might need to make a selfish check or take stress. So you know, if you're a selfish character by nature and you are uh, forced to give something up and you really don't want to, that might be pretty troublesome for you. Mm-hmm. 
Um, on the other side, if you are a very generous character, um, if you have very little of something and opt to share that, uh, even if it's at your own expense, that might help you recover some of that stress. Okay, cool. So those are the four kind of key components of any character. Um, I always start by um, kind of looking at a character concept. Mm-hmm. So did you actually want to go through and build out a character today or just kind of talk about that? Oh, let's build a character while we're talking about All right. it. <laughs> so my character concepts are often something like um, a blind girl who was born to a wealthy family, but was left at the almshouse um, because her parents didn't want to take care of her. So that might come with some emotional baggage. It might also come with some um, some kind of penalties to your seeing trait, of course, but it might inherently give you um, more skill in your touch trait because people who um, have lived with blindness their whole lives have learned to adapt and become a little bit more sensitive to touch. Mm-hmm. Um, it might also be a little person who um, has been shunned from society because nobody thought that they were any more than just a child. Um, but maybe um, they have this um, desire to be helpful and have learned um, to study medicine under the people at the almshouse. Uh, and so they have become a caretaker in their own right. So those are examples of some of the characters that are in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have any idea of maybe what, what the two of you might like to play? What should we make, Alex? Or to at least build out today? I would like to make a visually impaired character. Okay. Because, you know, I haven't made a ton of those, but I am visually impaired. And I, if we're playing a game where people are in, you know, you have to have some sort of disability. I would like to have my own. <laughs> sure. So, um, when building out a character i always start with the senses Mm -hmm. so you have the five senses hear see smell taste and touch they all start at a level of average which is plus zero on the trait level Mm -hmm. and once you have adjusted your levels so you can say take minus one to something in order to add plus one to something else and your net of all five needs to still equal plus zero at the end of the day Okay. okay So, for example, um, maybe I want to be visually impaired, but not totally blind. So I might put my C trait down to terrible, which is minus three. And that gives me three points to put somewhere else. Um, I kind of like the idea of not being like the trope of the blind person who has super hearing. Mm-hmm. So I might only increase my hearing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you can uh, increase like your smell or your touch. Um, your taste or hearing, change those up in any way that you would like. Did you get a chance to open up that character sheet that I sent over earlier, or would you like yes, me to just yes. track things myself? I, I have that character sheet open. You can track it, Quinn? Yeah, I can track it. Okay. Cool. Alright, so, so what do you want to what put is that, What's into... our scale? Minus 5 to plus 5? Um, so it can go from minus 3 to plus 2, or oh, okay. if you want to have a non-existent trait like C, then you can set that as non-existent, and that gives you four points instead of three. Oh, okay, got it. I think let's put our scene to minus three. Okay. It's terrible. Let's up smell by two. Okay. 
So we're at minus so that would one. Be, um, good smell plus two. Yeah. And then let's do can we let's actually do minus one for hearing. Maybe they're also it's not meant necessarily that their hearing is bad, but they don't pay attention that much. I'm just sure. making myself at this point. <laughs> <laughs> and we can increase we what still... is minus one? Is that just bad? That is uh, or... mediocre. Mediocre, okay. Oh, I assume bad is minus two since good is plus two. And then I'll be positive mediocre on touch. How so many points we got left, one. Gwen? We need a. We need. We have two more points. So All right, let's put them both positive. in touch. We'll be good at touch. Okay. Plus and two. And taste touch. is normal. Okay. Taste is average. So yeah. Yes. We've got those all add up. All right, so we have minus three C, plus two smell, plus two touch, and minus one hearing. Hearing. And then plus zero to taste. Yep. Cool. Okay. Now we have. So then. Oh, I'm sorry. How the qualities work is like they're like tied together, right? Like. Right. They're yeah. So qualities. Um, qualities have. Um, there are. Two, or there are, I think, five sets of two diametrically opposed qualities. So, for example, we have courageous and cowardly, cowardly, pious and worldly, mm -hmm. energetic and sluggish, generous and selfish, cautious and reckless. Okay. These can range between minus three and plus three, so that's between terrible and superb. I'm sorry, terrible and great. Great is plus three. Um... And if you have, um, let's say, a plus two in one of them, then the opposite one needs to be minus two. So they need to balance yep. to plus zero. Got it. So I, I like the idea of making uh, maybe this character was kind of reckless and they would do a bunch of like daredevil style things. Not to bring up that superhero, but, you know, <laughs> just... <laughs> anyway, just like they would like, you know, go and run around outside even though they're seeing was uh terrible and they would sometimes get and you know a little scraped up and that's maybe the parents didn't think they could handle it anymore so they brought them to the alms house and were like you deal with this kid <laughs> <laughs> okay so i think that they'll they'll be let's bump the reckless we'll put it all the way up all we'll the make way a quinn up. character all the way up all the way up to, up to reckless <laughs> All right, so then cautious is minus three. Yep. Then I think that, um, what else we got? We got worldly and piety. Can you, what is that? Yeah, so um, pious is like how religious you are. Um, mm -hmm. Everybody who is in the game starts by living at this almshouse, which is a church room facility, but not everybody is necessarily all about being a good church-going person. Right. Um, they might just be there because that's where they live. Um, so there's a difference between whether you want to spend all of your day in prayer or if you're a little bit more worldly and prefer to um, enjoy the finer things in life and have the comforts of life as opposed to the um, the way of the church. An ascetic lifestyle. Okay. I think let's go plus one worldly, minus one... Pious. Pious, yeah blanking on the word i almost said piety and i'm like it's not that one it's the other and yeah. then also th i don't think they'd be like 
oh, it's not cautious. I just, I'm, I wrote cautious twice. It's cowardly and courageous. Oh, uh, yeah. I think they sound brave to me. I think they sound pretty brave, so too. So maybe plus two to brave? Great. Yeah, let's do it. And I also feel like they seem a little more energetic than sluggish. Yeah. So we could do a plus one. Okay. Plus What's one. our last pairing? And then generous and selfish. Hmm, we didn't really touch on that at all. What do you think, Jacob? You got any... Yeah, you know, zero zero is that? absolutely fine. Um, maybe they don't lean one way or the other. And kind okay. um, of just do whatever works best for them in the moment. Yeah. That sounds good. We'll just we'll leave that one as a zero. Sounds good. I feel like I should be letting Jacob make this. I'm just taking over. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. Um, I have not played this game. I'm the, of the three of us. I'm the one that hasn't played, so maybe that's why I'm taking over. <laughs> yeah, this is good. We'll, we'll see how things turn out for somebody who's still um, new to the concept. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. The next skills? thing on the character sheet, yeah, the next thing that I usually do is the skills because anxieties and assurances are a little bit more detailed. We have, mm-hmm. I think it's eight different skills. Um, there's act or react. And this is kind of your catch-all skill that indicates how, kind of how well you respond to things or how well you do things. In Survival of the Able, you're not a hero. You're just a normal, everyday person. And so... We don't have things like attack and defend because you've probably never been in a fight in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and the event that you have been, you know, it's probably been a while uh, because you're at the almshouse for a reason. Maybe you lost a fight and uh, you picked up a disability. So yeah. we use the act-to-react skill to just kind of show how you respond to things overall. There's also animal handling, which is what it says on the tin. Um, it's your ability to interact with animals, um, to saddle horses, to ride horses, to uh, coax a dog to come toward you, etc. Um, there's the explore skill, which allows you to get an idea of what's happening in your surroundings. Um, it's good for um, finding things, but unlike in a game like, say, D&D, where you might have perception to spot things or to hear things, explore is really about, like, using whatever senses you have mm-hmm. to explore your surroundings. Okay. Um, we have hand signals, which is our way of um, allowing people who are deaf or hard of hearing to communicate with one another or to communicate with the rest of the group. It's very specifically not sign language because those things had not been really invented yet. So everybody was using a form of home sign at the time. Um, yeah. So really, this has to do with like how well you can play charades. Yeah. Um, the next is intuition, which is your ability to kind of notice things that are maybe not sensory, um, to, to determine that maybe like the lack of sound coming from the forest is a bad sign. Um, intuition helps you just kind of get an idea of what's happening around you without using your senses. We have lore, which is your, um, kind of catch all knowledge skill, uh, medicine, which Again, when it says on the tin, it's your ability to use medicine and to maybe use herbs to help um, treat injuries. And then we have navigate, which is different than explore because it's more of a macro sense. Navigate allows you to get around the world um, from 
one location to another as opposed to just your immediate vicinity. Okay. So um, it sounds kind of like, like Explorer would be like if a person with a visual impairment has been raised in a almshouse, you know, and the surrounding smaller area, they'd probably be pretty good at exploring that. But right. then navigating to like another city would be quite hard because right. you are still pretty visually impaired. Right. And okay. so for skills, we start with three free levels that you can add to um, bump anything up. And then you can take penalties and anything to as low as minus three in order to gain that many points. So if you start from zero and you dump something to minus three, you gain three more points to spend somewhere else. Got it. Um, so I get three free ones and then we get to, we can modify things to get more. Right. Okay. And the maximum for any skill is uh, great plus two. Okay. All right. What are they, what are they good at, Alex? <laughs> Sneezing. <laughs> That's one. Um, let's see. What was the... Okay, let read them all real, real quick. Sure. To remind me. Act Word slash shape. react. Okay. Animal handling. Mm-hmm. Explore. Hand signals. Intuition. Lore. Medicine. Navigate. Okay. I think act, react, we should put plus two in. These, this what person is... They know what they're... Like they're quick to act and react, and they're they're honing their skill at that. Um, animal handling? Are we making it me or <laughs> not? Not really. I'm not quick to react. I'm not as uh, daredevilly as this character is. I think we can leave animal handling at zero for the moment. Okay. Is next one explore? Explore. Let's do a plus one to explore. Okay. Next one. Hand signs or signals. I think based on what I said, it sounds like this person's been blind for a lot of their life. So maybe this one's a little worse. Okay. They're not sure exactly how to charade things as well. So we'll go to minus two. Minus two. Okay. So now we have two more points. Yep. To put in things. What's our next one? Intuition. Let's do a plus one to that. Okay. And then how knowledgeable about things are they? I think they're a straight, straight roll for lore. Straight zero? Yeah. Okay. They're not, they weren't like purposely not studying, but they weren't purposely studying either. They just didn't have an interest. <laughs> yeah. They didn't have an interest, but they learned what they were taught. Okay. And then we have medicine and navigate left that we can put a plus one in either of those um i think we should minus one navigate okay and let's let's add one more to intuition okay and do a plus one to medicine maybe they were they were slightly interested in the medicine and they they got a lot of cuts and scrapes so they had to learn how to bandage things up a little bit <laughs> so that they wouldn't kill yeah. themselves yep <laughs> All right, do you want to read the final ones? Because that is all over the place. Yeah, I'm just going to add these up quick to make sure that they add up to... To plus three? To plus three. Yes, they do. Doesn't trust her mathematician husband. How dare. <laughs> I trust you, but not if you weren't keeping track of your numbers. I was. Okay, I didn't know. All right, what all do right. we got? Act slash react plus two. Animal handling plus zero. Explore plus one. Hand signals minus two, 
intuition plus two, lore plus zero, medicine plus one, navigate minus one. All right, sounds good. Awesome. Cool, cool. And then our last one is the anxieties and assurances. assurances. Right, yep. Um, so anxieties and assurances. Every character has one minor anxiety, one major anxiety, one minor assurance, and one major assurance. Um, the minor are a minus one or a plus one, and the majors are a minus one or a plus two in terms of um, the amount of stress that you take or recover. So um, if I succeed at a check on uh, a major assurance, I recover two stress, for example. They're written out in such a way as to say when some kind of trigger happens, make a roll. Typically, that role is going to be based on one of your qualities. Uh, those are like the cautious, reckless, the energetic, sluggish. Mm-hmm. And if you succeed, you either recover stress for an assurance, or if you fail, you take stress for an anxiety. Um, so, for example, let's see. Whenever somebody These tells you, feel like they kind of fit this character. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever someone tells you to slow down or use your head first make a sluggish check or take one stress. Or a cautious check, Um, you said. Whenever you have a severe wound, but need to continue to act quickly, uh, make a fair... uh, Oh, I don't know if I still have that here. Ah, It broke. Make a fair, probably uh, energetic check or something. This one says sluggish. But it would make more sense. Yeah, I to think probably the, be energetic. the sheet that I sent you was probably truncated or yeah. Either way, you, you make a check or you suffer a stress. So let's start with our anxieties. Um, if something were happening to your character, um, what would cause them some kind of stress? Uh, whether that's being told to slow down and take it easy, or uh, if you were asked to go do something that maybe seemed frightening or terrifying. Um, Could it be like getting lost? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I think that they're afraid of getting lost because their net, like their navigate is not that well. And like they know their explorer well, mm-hmm. but their vision's pretty bad and they're or terrible. Is this like a major or minor? I think this is major. This is the major one? Major. Okay. okay. And then we'll steal Jacob's example for the minor. I think if someone tells them to slow down, they're going to have to roll to try to not, you know, <laughs> get stressed out about it. Okay, cool. Um, and what would they roll? Do we pick that? Yeah, so in this case, um, let's say the getting lost one. Um, mm-hmm. Whenever you let's see, are unsure of your surroundings, maybe? Um, yeah. Okay. Make a... Uh, let's see. You could go with Navigate, or you could maybe use one of your qualities. Um, or suffer two stress. So, let's see, what was your Navigate? Like a minus one? Navigate was minus one. And for a major anxiety... The difficulty is always whatever it's going to um, be if you were to roll three pluses on your dice. So okay. plus three is superb. 
No, it's great. Minus one for the navigate so would be great. Plus so, two. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So whenever you are unsure of your surroundings, make a great plus two navigate check or take two stress. Isn't it, is it good plus two? You're right. It's good plus two. Oh, I, okay. <laughs> in my head, I'm still conflating this with the treat letter that I use for my other game, Cypunk. Um, oh, okay. I, I, That's fine. Change the trait levels on survival of the able to make, um, to make you more of an average character because in a cyberpunk game, you're more heroic, and so getting from like good to great to superb doesn't take you as much energy. Mm-hmm. In survival of the able, you start off pretty average, and to get good or great is a lot more effort. Yeah. Um, so the trait letter is, um, I've changed it up a little bit. Okay. Okay. So then, is the one that we would do for the slow down? It would be cautious, a cautious check. Yeah, um, and that's what the example had. So whatever cautious is, we just have and to for, check the number, right? Right. And for a minorish uh, anxiety, it's whatever the result would be if you were to roll two on your dice. So okay. Um, so cautious two is minus three. One. Yeah. So make a um, mediocre minus one. Uh, sluggish check or take one stress. Cautious check? We're doing cautious. Yeah. Now, as a point yeah. um, in Survival of the Able, if you are ever asked to roll a quality check and you fail, you can also choose to take a point of stress to ignore the result of that die roll and push yourself beyond that anyway. Okay. Um, so let's say you really feel like you have to be. Uh, cautious here because there are zombies all over and it would be stupid to <laughs> rush out there and start fighting them hand in hand. Um, yep. Which this character very well might try. Right. <laughs> but you know, like, deep down that that would not be a good idea. So if you roll your quality check and you fail, you can say, you know, cooler heads may prevail. I'm going to go ahead and as much as it pains me to not do what I want to do, I'm going to go against that and uh, settle down here and think through it instead of just charging into it. Okay. It is possible, um, for that reason, to suffer stress both from an anxiety and from a poor quality check. Um, so you can kind of compound those issues sometimes. Okay. Um, so, Quinn, did you want to read back what we have there for the anxieties? Yes, we have the minus one or minor. Whenever someone tells you to slow down or use your head first, make a mediocre minus one cautious check or take one stress. And then for the major or minus two, whenever you are unsure of your surroundings, make a good plus two navigate check or take two stress. Okay. How does that sound to you, Alex? That sounds good. So now let's look at the positive side. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and assurances are built the same way. It's whenever trigger happens, make a roll. If you succeed, you recover stress. Um, in this case, the difficulty is going to be whatever you would roll with a 1 on the die for a minor and a 2 on the die for a major. So it's a little bit easier to succeed on your assurances than it is to fail. I'm sorry, it's uh, it's easy to succeed on your assurances, but it's also really easy to fail on your anxieties because those difficulties are higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. So I think, like... Even though navigate is bad, I feel like exploring a new area would be something that they're assured on. Like they'd like to go out and explore. 
Yeah. Like, yes, they don't know how to get from Boston to Seattle, but they, you tell them to go check out this, like, farmhouse, they'll go check it out. Because that would also help them learn more surroundings that they wouldn't get lost or unsure where they are. So I think that's probably their major assurance. They're very confident in going and exploring new, like, areas. Probably with their white cane or, well, probably with a stick because it's (laughs) 1370 (laughs) or whatever. So something like... whenever uh, you... Whenever you get to explore, yeah, that's what I was going to do. Roll, uh, explore, and then again, the difficulty would be two plus the explore roll. Okay, okay, so that'd be three. So make a great plus three explorer check to recover two stress. Okay, cool. What do you guys think a minor assurance would be for this character? One of the examples that we have here um, was whenever you choose to take a faster, more dangerous route over a slower, safer route, um, (laughs) uh, make a good reckless check to recover one stress. Oh, I like that. (laughs) Okay. Let's do that one. So that one is, it's plus one plus the score? Yeah. Right. Okay, so their reckless is three, so that'd be a plus four <laughs> reckless check. So what is that, like, superb or something? Right. Yeah. Make a superb reckless check. Love it. Well, there's, just, like, three zombies this way, but if we go around the block, I don't think there was any. Uh, well, let's just go the short way. Runs ahead. <laughs> but I know this way. Yeah. I know this one's faster. I don't want to get lost. Let's go the yeah. short, easy way. <laughs> Sorry, not short, easy. Short, hard. Right. <laughs> um, cool. Do you want to go ahead and read those back to us, Quinn? Yeah. So for our assurances are minor plus one. Whenever you would choose to take a faster, more dangerous route over a slower, safer route, make a superb plus four reckless check to recover one stress. And then plus two for major whenever you explore a new area make a great plus three explore check to recover two stress okay sound good yeah so yeah. then we need to give this person like a name and a gender identity yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't have my computer ready to roll so you gotta roll something okay i can or one roll of some- you guys i can roll something unless jacob would like to roll for Give gender identity dice. um I don't have my computer handy either. Okay. No That's problem. okay. <laughs> it's okay. I'll roll I'll roll us a D6. Okay. Four. So they are female. Okay. And then do we have an idea for a name? What's a good medieval uh like a name for a woman? Or a, I guess I'm I'm picturing them more of us like eighteen. Like fifteen to eighteen. Okay, so they're Mid to late teens. Yeah. Okay. Um. Let's see. What do you think, Jacob? You got any name ideas? I'm thinking like Maria. Maria. That's pretty yes. pretty generic. <laughs> yeah. Well, they do like their religious yeah, names. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we got Maria. Um, All right. Catherine. Yeah, Maria Catherine. That could be her name. I like that. You gotta have a good double name. There you go. <laughs> uh, 
And then from here, what we would typically do would be flesh out their relationship to at least one other character in the group and mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. kind of write out their backstory. Um, okay. But that's, that's it. That's character creation. It's pretty simple. Just a couple of steps. Yeah. Yeah. And we already kind of touched on their backstory. I think that we're, you know, we have the, a good idea for there. And then if we mm-hmm. had other people, we could figure out who did they connect with in the almshouse and everything. So I like that. Pretty easy. Yes, definitely. Way faster to explain than a lot of other, <laughs> well, not a lot of other, than some TTRPGs. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this just reminds me when I was making my first 5e character and I messaged the DM who had like sent me the player's handbook PDF and was like, just read this and then tell me what you want to be. Oh, sure. So I said, yeah. (laughs) And I did, in Jacob, I did do that. (laughs) But the first thing I read, you know, I think the race was first. So then I read through the race chapter. I was like, I think I want to be an elf, a wood elf or whatever. And then he's like, Okay, now pick a class. So it was like, I was like, oh, I just gotta keep going. There's still more. I already, I just read so many things about all these different people. <laughs> I'll be a ranger. Okay, yeah. I choose a background. Yeah, exactly. That's what it happened. Yep. Oh, the days when Elf was the class. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> My identity is Elf. Yes, I am Elf. <laughs> Well, cool. Do you have any final comments for us, I guess? Or any other... Um, anything else? That is kind of the long and the short of it in terms of how to build out a character. Um, from there, um, what we would do typically like from a, a game perspective would be to... Once the game actually, say, gets underway, um, I like to build up relationships within the group and kind of see how you interact with um, maybe some of the other non-player characters in the Alms House. Mm-hmm. I also like to go into that in character background so that we have a, a relationship with not just the other people who are playing the game, but also the non-player characters because mm-hmm. uh, from an evil DM perspective, that's what lets me know who I need to kill first. <laughs> <laughs> so... The ones they connect with are the ones they don't, Jacob. How are you probably <laughs> talking? <laughs> you know, that's my secret. <laughs> okay. Um, my secret is I kill everyone indiscriminately. <laughs> uh, I very much advocate, particularly in a game like this, where um, it is a little bit of horror, but it's also designed to push people beyond what they would consider the limits for their character. Um I encourage the GM to explore that with their players and really put them into situations that might seem overwhelming because it's not until you you go up to that line and figure out the way to cross it that you can really like understand what it's like to be in that position, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm all about making people a little bit uncomfortable in order to get them to get an understanding for what it might be like to be a disabled player or a disabled person in the middle ages who's dealing with a zombie outbreak and dealing with some of the other uh, prejudices that um, they might face throughout the world because leaving the almshouse is only the beginning of the story and uh, what i like to say is that 
the zombies might be the biggest threat, but they're not the biggest villain in the story. Um, right. Yeah. You're going to face a lot more in terms of prejudice and hatred and bigotry and ableism. Um, and that might very well be harder to overcome than any zombie attack. Yeah. True. And that's kind of the goal of the game is to have disabled and non-disabled players um, put into these types of positions where they can really get a feel for what that might look like and hopefully come away with a better understanding um, of what it might be like to be an ally. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. This game, I definitely want to try this game out. <laughs> yeah, and you're you're running like a session, like a one shot of this at accessible games later. Yes, during right, uh, like everyone, everyone games. games. Yep. Um, yeah. Everyone okay. games. I said September accessible 30. games. I meant everyone games. Sure. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will be running a session on September thirtieth. I think it's um, seven o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Um, I don't know if we have spots still available, but I'm happy to extend an invitation to you, Alex, if, uh, if we do. I'll have to check with the organizers who are helping to kind of put things together. Mm-hmm. And if not, I'm also going to be running several sessions for some of my Kickstarter backers, um, and I'm happy oh, to have okay. you tag along to any of those. Well, um, and like if Quinn said, for we some are reason, none of that works out. We are backers, Kickstarter so. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, and for some reason, we can't find a time that works for the rest of the backers that we're just kind of coordinating with overall, we're going to have the time to do it together. Sounds good. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on our show today. It has been awesome talking to you and like learning your thought process behind this game and, you know, just like the work that you're doing to make games more accessible for everyone. Yeah. I really need to get signed up for this newsletter because it sounds like a cool thing. Yeah. Oh, for the accessible gaming quarterly. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a, a quarterly zine, so we do publish that um, in book format. It's available in PDF and uh, EPUB and print. And um, okay. it's all over DriveThruRPG. Uh, back issues are available. Um, they're cheaper. For anybody who's listening, if you buy the anthology of back issues, so we have um, year one has four issues, year two has four issues, and we've reduce the cost to buy like that group together um okay cool and then uh you get started on issue nine going forward we're also happy to have people again write for the zine so if you have any experiences that you want to share um we do pay people to write about their experiences um any tips or tricks or reviews that you'd like to do you know we're open to all sorts of different um, types of content awesome. awesome and then uh, survival of the able should be out soon i just sent the um, print files to the printer uh, today. So this is what Saturday, August twentieth. Um, hopefully within the yep. next month to month and a half, we should have print uh, products available for sale. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm excited to get our copy and start playing around with this too. We've, you know, I might get to play with. Hopefully, I will play with you. It sounds like you are going to make it happen. Yeah, um, make happen. but. <laughs> But then I can also maybe try running a game as well. So Yeah, absolutely. 
thanks right. oh. thanks for joining us yeah. I don't know. Uh, oh i had one last question oh all right sure. Sorry. yeah yeah Th- thanks for joining us and here's one more question <laughs> where can people find you and more information about survival of the able accessible games and anything else you're working on oh good question um so my website is www.accessiblegames.biz and i am on twitter at accessible games um you can also find me on Facebook. Um, I don't know if my personal profile is open to the public, but Accessible Games Biz is the uh, Facebook page. And I think those are the three main places where I hang out. Awesome. Uh, you'll find me more on Twitter than on Facebook. Okay. Sounds I'm the good. same way. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, th- like I said, thanks again for coming. It's been great to talk to you and learn about both the, your project or I guess all your projects you do more than just the two but yeah. you know yeah. highlight the two and then hopefully we can hear from you again in the future about any new cool projects you're working on thank you I'm so happy to be here and I'm, I really appreciate you both having me yes you can find more information about our show at a couple of characters podcast.com have ideas or feedback or need help creating your next character email us at a couple of characters pod at gmail.com you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ACOC Podcast. We'd like to thank John Vegan for composing our theme music. If you like what we're doing, please write and review us on iTunes and Spotify. Yeah, give us a five-star review there, and that will help out our show. You could tell a friend about our show, and that would also help us out. Another way to support us is by becoming a Patreon donor. Just search ACOC Podcast. You can support us by going to bookshop.org slash shop slash ACOC podcast and any purchase that you make there will help out our show and a local bookstore of your choice. If you want to pick up some audiobooks, you can use our Libra.fm affiliate code to get a free audiobook when you purchase an audiobook subscription. You can even gift subscriptions. So maybe you have someone who is visually impaired in your life and you want to give them a gift of some books, you can give them a subscription, which is pretty cool. And any of those purchases support our show and independent bookstores. Do you like Pokemon? Do you like actual plays? Yes check and out, yes. Check out Willow on Dungeons and Dragon Types. And yeah, Quinn's on there doing her thing. Yeah, doing my nasty Pokemon thing. Not a sex thing. I did make it sound like that, but it's not. I don't think they thought that. Well, now they will. <laughs> they do. They certainly do. Talk about lick a tongue. Am I right? Oh, my. (laughs) If you want to hear more about what Jacob is doing and maybe see how the game is actually played, you can can check out the game he's running on the Everyone Games event. And this... September 30th. Yes. And October 1st. Well, Jacob's game is on September 30th. But they will be doing events all day the 30th and October 1st. Yeah, they're doing a variety of tabletop game sessions, as well as having different panels and different talks about um, accessibility in gaming and all those kinds of things. And we, one of us, or both of us, might be playing in some of those games, so keep your ear, you know, keep your ears out. Keep your ears out like Dumbo would when he's flying. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I thought you said like Dumblewood, and I Dumblewood. was like, and I was like, who's Dumblewood? That's Were my you new just saying character. Dumbledore this weird? is my, this is um, this is Hori Peter, um, and this is Dumblewood, and that's his wizard teacher guy, and Dumblewood's gay.
Oh I'm putting it out there right in the front. Putting it on the front page. Horty Pitter. I don't want Jacob to be associated with this and stuff, but here it is. You didn't know this is what you were signing up for, but this is what you got. It's not... A sex thing. I was going to say, it's not the end stuff you needed or whatever. What's but the end stuff you deserve? You deserved. Oh, wow. Rude. Sorry. Sorry no. that that's how it had to be. No. So, anyway, you can check out the Everyone Games event on September 30th and October 1st all day and check out, in particular, Jacob's Game of Survival of the Able on September 30th at 7 p.m. Eastern. You can find me on Twitter at AlexNWinterland. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at NotADrQuinn. Thanks for listening. Keep on rolling. just learned that about 15 minutes ago so i'm an expert are we ready alex yes okay sometimes Hello? i oh. say that and nope. i'm not ready okay. oh and then i cut you off <laughs> and then you cut me off that's how we do it this is how it always we're goes. professionals we haven't done almost 60 episodes or anything <laughs> i can relate to this person I, I mean, I can relate to non-blind people too. Don't get me wrong. I only relate to blind. I only people. relate to blind people. That's why I have so few friends. You can find Ooh. more. I'm sorry, I was yawning. You didn't look over. I didn't look over, seen. so I didn't know. That wasn't. You didn't confirm with me. Are you ready? Because the answer wasn't. No. That was my fault. Please. Alright, I'm ready. <laughs> All rumbly bumbly without my uh You sure we wasn't in my outline. Thought Good. You were write something I should have. Would have been better maybe. <laughs> I think it probably would have. It couldn't have been much worse. <laughs> this guy. It could have been much worse, but